Hey, Dorinda Trick here, and you are at my doorstep. This is today's episode of Nurtured to Love. While you'll never know your true identity until you get to know your own spirit. Hey, everybody. I haven't done this in a while, but I'd like to share a fingerprint of God with you today. And that is the smile on my sweet dog buddy's face. <laughs> he loves to run, and we've had some pretty soggy weather uh, of late, and so we got to get out in the yard, and I run him by driving my golf cart up and down the driveway, and he smiled from ear to ear for me this morning, and it just, I just love it. just pours joy into me. So I just want to share that with you. Remember, a fingerprint of God is any good and perfect thing that touches you. It doesn't have to touch you real deeply. It doesn't have to be real profound, but just something that you know. It's almost like a wink from God. Some people might call this a God wink. When something happens, you see something, you know, you feel something. Maybe you taste something delicious. Um, Whatever it is, you know it's God's goodness for you personally. Father, I just thank you again for this day. This is the day that you have made. We rejoice and we are glad in it. Your goodness, your mercy pursues us, Lord, for you are always uh, nurturing us and, 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 and pursuing us and loving us and wanting to engage with us. And so today, again, I dedicate our lesson on the redemptive gift of profit to you, Lord, and thank you in advance for what you're going to do in lives uh who hear this, people who hear this and in their spirits, Lord, you're going to bring a great uh, revelation and great healing, uh, even deliverance in Jesus' name. Amen. We continue in the book entitled Witness to the Truth, and today we are in chapter one, finally. Got done with the introduction, took a few episodes to do that, but we will begin now the book in earnest as we move through these seven redemptive gifts of God. Today, the first gift, the redemptive gift of profit, and each gift has a principle or law of truth that uh, parallels the gift, and that principle for the profit is called the principle of design. We're going to look at that today. We're also going to examine the lie that people who are designed this way tend to buy, and the curse that comes, the negative effect that comes from buying into a lie. When I first heard that the principle that applied to the redemptive gift of profit was quote-unquote design, I didn't really understand that. Uh, design? I mean, I, I, don't, I know what a design is. It's the way something is made. It, it can be like a template or outline or pattern, right? Art comes to mind immediately. There are many designs in artistic expressions, and uh, design can be quite unique, right? And even mysterious. We recognize God's design in all living things, plants, animals, human beings, and the designs that he makes are often astounding and complex. We recognize there's intelligence in design, although it's not always immediately apparent to us. Webster's Dictionary uh, defines design this way. As the verb, it is to intend or set apart for some purpose. And as a noun, the word design uh, is defined this way. It's a plan, a purpose, or aim, a working out by plan. So even Webster's definitions reflect the powerful truth that you need to get right away. And that is, as you begin this study of these redemptive gifts of God, and that is that God's design is inherently purposeful 
and it serves his overarching plan for redemption of everyone and everything. Even the phrase set apart speaks to the nature of God, for he himself is set apart, holy, and he has set us apart as well. Design, purpose, plan. On the negative side, the prophet can do quite nicely without other people. Typically, prophets are not particularly interested in getting involved in the lives of other people. The prophet prefers to spend his time alone, keep his own company, fly solo. The design of the prophet, however, is to speak vision into the lives of others, calling forth their purpose in God. Once people connect with God's purpose for their lives, they are ready to receive God's plans. On the positive side, as the first of the redemptive gifts, the one that has God's DNA to speak light into darkness, to see what others cannot see, the prophet must know and understand all the gifts and how all the principles apply. Then he can weave them together to produce change in the lives of other people. He's the ultimate problem solver for God. I was a professional counselor years ago, and when I was, I was doing some problem solving for God, but I didn't know it. (laughs) Many different principles can be applied in helping people pull out of their tough spots, right, to get started again on the road of life. I did not know about the redemptive gifts at that time, but God did. As I look back now, I can see how the Lord led me ever so carefully through many situations in counseling. To be very honest, much of the time I had absolutely no idea how I was going to help the person through, but God. He was faithful to reveal principles of design to me time and again. He would give me the key to unlock the heart of the hurting person, and when I used His key, it would result in healing. Design is very important to God, and He will not violate the principles of His own design. A prophet must submit himself or herself to God's design and His way of doing things. This means being a truth-teller, not just to others, but to himself. King Ahab, a wicked, sinful, evil man, responded to Elijah's words of truth by calling Elijah the troubler of Israel. As the prophet speaks the words of truth, Related to our design and the principles that apply to our lives, we may experience a troubling sensation. Why? Well, we're likely out of alignment with the principle of our design in God. So the prophet must understand design and principles. So just just a quick, you know, review there. So if you're a prophet and you're made to provide vision, God's vision to people so they understand who they are and how they've been made, you can't be a loner. You've got to be able to connect with people, build a bridge of relationship with people that will bear the weight of truth so that then truth can be communicated to them. The most important thing that we need to know is who we are, and that will lead us to what we are to do. Design is preeminent, and God has a design for our spirit, our soul, our body. We must submit ourselves to the laws of truth, principles that apply to each, in order to walk in fulfillment in Him. I'm not going to get in your business, but, you know, we're not just talking about the human spirit here. We're talking about the soul, which has a great deal to do with how you relate 
uh, to other people in life and how you relate to your physical surroundings and you know, how you handle things, how you care for yourself, how you care for others, your values. And then, of course, your body. We, we recognize, and we're going to get into this in uh, some weeks ahead from now, but about, you know, whatever you are sowing physically, you're going to reap. And so we want to be careful that we sow life, we sow to the Spirit, we sow uh, goodness, uh, so that we are going to receive goodness in kind. On the level of our spirits, right? God has a design for our relationship with Him. Many of us are not introduced to God as our loving Father when we're kids. We don't understand design. We don't get the principles. We don't get nurtured in who we are and who He made us to be. So, you know, we spend uh, much of our lives working backward to develop childlike faith in the Lord. And this should not be. God's design is we know who we are and live spirit to spirit in a loving and flowing relationship with Him. And that really speaks to the fingerprints, doesn't it? Because every day there are things that are all around us, loving and flowing toward us. If we would just open our eyes, our spiritual eyes, to see goodness, we know we are seeing God manifest His presence to us. God's design is spelled out for us This in this passage. Listen with your spirit. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. That's 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 and 24. On the level of our soul, God has designed relational laws. These are the principles that apply to our relationships with ourselves and with one another. These principles can be found in the Word of God, and they must be followed if we are to receive God's abundant life in relationships. For instance, man's relationship with himself. Listen to this scripture that applies to that relationship. Proverbs twenty-five twenty-eight: Like a city whose walls are broken down is a man who lacks self-control. And... In the area of man's relationship with others, listen with your spirit to this scripture. This is Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, one of my very favorites. Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. On the level of your body, the relationship between man and matter, God has designed natural laws to apply. We can't abuse and neglect our physical bodies, which God made to be the temple of His Holy Spirit, and expect God to bless us with excellent health. We reap what we sow. Of course, there can be other factors involved that impact the health of of a person. But when we flagrantly go against God's design for health and well-being, there's going to be a consequence. So design is preeminent. Here, too, the Word of God applies. Listen to this with your spirit, 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Okay, on to the next topic. The legitimacy lie and curse. Many prophets experience injustice at home. The home, being the most important place for a person to receive justice, should be a place of spiritual 
emotional, and physical safety. As children, we experience things differently. We are egocentric, which means that for a time, we believe the whole world revolves around us. This is a normal stage of our psychological and emotional development. It means that when good things happen, we think it's because of us, and when bad things happen, we think the same thing. You can see where this might go south, right? Oftentimes, when we're quite young and adults fail to do right by us, we make judgments in our hearts against them, vowing that we will never be like them when we grow up. We may even make judgments against God because we perceive that He is not helping us in our difficult situation and He doesn't care, and that He doesn't care. This sets us up for trouble later on. Even as a child, the redemptive gifts apply. You need to understand that. This means that you may just be five, five years old, but if you have the spiritual DNA of a prophet, the tendency to have a quick opinion about everything and usually be right in that opinion, to respond quickly to truth, to see life in terms of black and white, good or bad, judge, criticize, and evaluate everything, you are probably going to fall into a trap. And what is that trap? The legitimacy lie is the trap of the enemy. The trap for the prophet is to believe that he can fix things better than God, and his ability to solve problems is what makes him legitimate. This is the legitimacy lie the enemy wants him to buy into. The enemy wants him to believe he's legitimate when he can solve his own problems, that he doesn't need others or God. The legitimacy lie has a sneaky way of fitting into the true design and purpose for which God made us. It insinuates itself into the very fabric of our identity so we no longer flow from God's life within us. You know, prophets are made to help people connect with God's vision and design for their lives and, and to use principles to do this. When the prophet relies on himself alone, he separates himself from the one who made him and called him for his purpose. Fractured relationships, isolation, and alienation result. A few years ago, I got a sharp lesson in the principle of design and how it is God's domain, not mine or the enemy's. God will not allow design to be violated without serious consequences, negative effects, or curses. I was counseling a family in which an allegation of child sexual abuse had been made. It was only an allegation, no proof, no confession. The parents were divorced or divorcing, and the child who had made the allegation, against the father as it was, refused to go on visits with the alleged perpetrator. My client was the second child in the home who was expected to continue to go on these visits with his father. Despite the emotional tension in this home, my client was given no information as to what was going on with his big sister, only that she would no longer be visiting their dad. He was expected to continue to go visit the man. And, you know, it just made no sense to me that this child was not being told about the allegation, at least. Openness about the family circumstances would have provided a relief valve for the tension that was continuing to build, and that was especially affecting this second child. 
My reasoning was, if the stress level could be brought down a notch or two, it would help the child I was seeing with the issues that he was dealing with in his own life. But no action was taken. So what did this prophet do? Yep, you guessed it. I bypassed God and applied my own solution. I told the child what was going on so he could know what to think about what he was experiencing in his home. I also wanted him to know so that he could protect himself from this person against whom allegations had been made. What I didn't bargain, bargain for was the fact that the alleged perpetrator had put so much fear on this family that openness at any level simply wasn't going to happen. With an allegation alone, no proof of wrongdoing could be made. In my self-righteous, fearless, and foolish boldness, I'd determined to solve the problem. I didn't care what God's opinion was on the matter. I didn't care what anyone else thought either. Later, the alleged perpetrator filed a complaint against me with my licensing board, state licensing board. I could have lost my license, been sued in civil court, my records were subpoenaed, I was on the verge of panic. But before the decision came down, I felt impressed by the Lord to go before Him and confess every way I had failed to follow the truth in this situation. I wrote out many mistakes I believed I had made, including, of course, the one that provoked the complaint against me. I agreed, confessed with the Lord that the things I had done on my own, following my own wisdom, were wrong and were sin against Him. I begged Him for mercy. I got silence. I waited to hear what the verdict would be. Finally, I got a letter in the mail. The examiners had found no probable cause to discipline me. I knew that I did not deserve this favor. In His infinite grace and mercy, I knew God had intervened for me. I learned a significant lesson through this experience, that although there are sinful, painful, wrong things that go on all the time around us, we are never to mistake our righteousness for the righteousness of God. He and He alone is the lawgiver and the one who provides for justice. A scenario of seduction. The devil uses the pain of life to seduce us away from God. His aim is to separate us for a lifetime and preferably for eternity. The scenario goes like this. We are young and something bad happens to us. Maybe a lot of bad stuff happens. At the time, as young children, we're spiritually and emotionally vulnerable and naturally self-centered. Our unique design our spiritual identity or redemptive gift will influence how we respond to what hurts us. The prophet is fiercely independent and tends to hold truth more closely than relationships. So when people disappoint and hurt the prophet, it's easy for him to wash his hands of them and go it alone. This is the prophet's go-to solution. He decides God appears to be AWOL. He'll have to fix the problem himself, so he makes a destructively critical or condemning judgment. He says something to himself like, I can't rely on God to help me out of this situation, so I must fix it myself. God is useless to me. I'm better off without God, so I'll fix it myself and rely on myself, and when I fix this, I'll be okay. As you can see, pain is the doorway by which a person of any age enters into this kind of thinking, accepting a very different design from the one God intended. 
Unfortunately, the devil can then use this faulty belief to set us on a destructive path and separate us from God for a lifetime. It is a design of hell. It is not the design that God had in mind for the prophet or any other gift. The curse comes. Being bound to a mindset of hopelessness, which is a spiritual stronghold. As a result of the judgment made, a person is unable to recognize the lie because it's usually beyond the reach of conscious thought. Once the lie is embraced, even if it's at a young age and we later forget, it is like a bell that cannot be unrung. The bell is rung, the judgment made, and a spiritual reality has now been set into motion. The lie is the seed to the curse. Once the lie finds soil in our hearts and is sown, the enemy can reap from it for a lifetime. He has the ability to devise situations and relationships to keep us in his loop, in which we believe our solutions are the better way for our lives and that we really don't need God. However, in the end, nothing will work out for the prophet who operates this way. In the end, the enemy's design becomes apparent like the area around a plane crash, there's a debris field of broken relationships and unmet expectations. The fruit of unrighteousness is plain for all to see. The prophet is alone and spiritually bankrupt, and nothing works according to his expectations. It's a horrible place to be. For the prophet under a curse, he can't fix anything. No matter how hard he tries, he can't get justice in the home or anywhere else. In God's righteous system of judgment, curses are the penalties God has instituted for violating his laws or principles. You know, in one way, we should be grateful for the mercy of God in instituting this system because without it and the negative effects curses bring into our lives, some of us would never turn to God, and myself included. Very hard-headed I was and can be still, and God has to show me through His judicial system what the results of my sin will be if I continue in that way. The painful results of doing things our own way must become greater than the pain it will take to change. This is the condition that must be met before true repentance, turning to our own solutions, can come. The prophet that buys the legitimacy lie that he can fix things better than God has violated the principle of his own design. A negative effect or curse then results. Until the prophet recognizes, rejects, and renounces the lie, it will continue to have a corrupting influence in his or her life. Anything that separates us from God is the devil's domain. We need to know that. And he uses it to influence us negatively. You know, you may be wondering about the way this curse of hopeless independence from God may have entered into your own life or the life of your family. Do you know what to look for? One indicator that the curse is operating is that there has been adultery or molestation in your family. Adultery and molestation are both sins and examples of broken covenant. Covenant is a legally binding obligation or promise. Examples include God's promise or covenant with Noah, as evidenced by the sign of the rainbow, that he would never again destroy the earth with a, fl a flood. 
Also, and most importantly, we have God's covenant with us for forgiveness and salvation through Jesus Christ. Covenant is broken when adults violate their marriage vows by choosing to be unfaithful to their marriage partners, and covenant is broken when children are used for sexual gratification. As you may have already guessed, there are less obvious sources for the curse. Anytime we take matters into our own hands, deciding we can do a better job of resolving the issues of our lives than God, we are setting ourselves up for the curse. Now that we've identified the legitimacy lie, and we see the lie slips into our thinking when we are very young, when things go wrong, and we are unable to connect with God. This is true for the prophet and for all the gifts, the difference being the particular lie that each gift chooses to believe. The prophet connects more with the abilities God has given him than with God himself, and this opens the way for the enemy to come into his life. An important truth is that anything separated from the truth of God will not bring life to us. In the short term, we may think we've arrived at solutions to our problems, but in the end, we will suffer for having walked away from the one and only Creator God. Listen with your spirit to this scripture for you from Proverbs 14, verse 12. There is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads to death. What is the next step? Reject the lie. Renounce the lie. Then turn from these ways, which is repentance. All right, that is the end of chapter one. Again, we are in the book entitled Witness to the Truth. I'm Dorinda Trick. We are studying the redemptive gift of profit, looking at the principle or law of truth that applies to a person who's designed that way. It's called design. And uh, looking at the, at the lie, the legitimacy lie that gets sown early on in the life of a person designed this way, a lie the enemy uses to pull us away from God, to get us to be dependent on ourselves to solve problems in life. You know, God made the world impossible on purpose so that we would depend on Him, reach out for Him, go to Him, because there's no way that we can walk through this life and have true life any other way. Next time, we will look at renunciation of this lie and the blessing that comes when we do so as it pertains to the redemptive gift of profit, which may be your spiritual identity. It's certainly a big part of how God made me. Thank you again for joining me. Again, this is Dorinda Trick, and this uh, today's episode is on the redemptive gift of profit, but our uh, whole platform here is called Nurtured to Love. Why you'll never know your true identity till you get to know your own spirit. Thanks so much for joining me. Talk to you next time. Bye-bye.